Welcome to the only podcast that shares the astronomical and mathematical positions of the heavenly bodies. This is Sky Astrology. No, not astrology. This is Sky Astrology via astronomy. Welcome to a very special Earth Day New Moon from the skies of Tokyo. The reason I picked the sky of Tokyo is because that is the part of the world that will have the new moon and the sun in the sky. Now we're using this online website in the sky.org, which is a beautiful way to check and see exactly where the heavenly bodies are. For me, it is a way to reenact what people at the beginning of time before technology could actually see very rarely in the night sky. This time you see, note my mouse, I'm just going to introduce you to this. That's the time. Now, the time of the new moon is 325 UK. 11.25 a.m., which is exactly what it turned to, Tokyo time, 22.25 in New York, Eastern Standard Time. Here I want to show you in Fuchsia are heavenly bodies, the planets. In the green are the constellations. And of course, we have the beautiful blue for the night sky. I want to give a hello <laughs> to Venus here. That's Venus. It will show up here. She is in Taurus. This is, of course, a very special placement journey for Taurus, for Venus, because she is associated with Taurus and Libra. And Taurus is an Earth energy and is, of course, that because today is Earth Day, it is related to all things really pertaining to Earth, especially soil, nature, and I wanted to give thanks and appreciation and attention to the fact that Venus is there. Now, this is astronomically and mathematically where the heavenly bodies are. I happen to know that Venus is measured to be at 21 degrees of Taurus. And here I just want to point out the Pallades system. That's about 7 degrees Taurus. I wanted to introduce you to 
the other constellations that you're aware of and maybe some that you are not aware of. Of course, you know Gemini here, but we also have Orion, which you are aware of. But what's interesting to note is that our sun and moon does pass by this very top bit I'm pointing out of Orion, which is close to the star of Taurus, one of the last stars. Same with Algriga, they it actually shares the star Elna with Taurus, that's the one here. Then we have going, let's go back to Aries, and I talk a lot about this part of the sky because it's the part of the sky called the sea. And it's a part of the sky where I feel shows how important it is to acknowledge that there are no boundaries in the sky. Here we have Aries, which is quite a small constellation with really the most three very be important stars and it is partly sharing that space with one of the largest if not I believe it's the second largest constellation in our sky if that can be quote me if I'm wrong and this is Satus and some astronomers do consider it the 14th sign if we are counting and it crosses over into Aries. But not only that, as you see, it is also a part of the space of Pisces. And because Pisces drips down, drops down here to this point of the star Arishka, it is also very close to some of the stars of Satus. Here, this is called the knot, by the way, of Pisces. Then we want to share how Satus continues to be a part of Pisces. Perhaps not so close, but we have to note that also these stars that are in Satus are closer and somewhat brighter than the stars of Pisces. And I believe that that also could be something to consider when thinking about any impact with these heavenly bodies, stars, and planets. Next we have what the what I find quite intriguing and something that I learned and it's always about learning and discovering something about the sky because it is vast and plentiful and so here we have Aquarius, I love to call it Aquarius now, 
it's quite a big constellation. Here's the part where the water from the water barrier is being shared. And the, what I wanted to note is that this part of Aquarius, at the end, it's a very important star, Albaldi. This star comes almost to the beginning of Capricorn, but when you align it, it comes to about the middle of Capricorn. You could even say now that Mars is aligned with Albaldi. That's how it works. Okay, so even though Capricorn is an Earth energy or sign, it is, of course, in the company of Aquarius. And when a heavenly body passes between the two, I think it's natural to assume that they are exchanging energies. I always like to reference astronomers who quite often speak about being uh, curious and suspecting that there's another heavenly body or something beyond what they can see. And that's why they invest and make all these expeditions and develop things like the infrared viewing to see why the planet that they know, for example, Pluto, isn't acting how they calculated it to act because they say there's another heavenly body that is affecting its um, rhythm, its cycle. And therefore, that means very simply that the planets affect each other's rhythm and movement. And that, I believe, is a very important thing to remember when you're questioning if these heavenly bodies affect us or the moon or the sun or our tides and our waters. And that is the first thing that I wanted to point out the real scientific thought process that goes with sky astrology. The second one we're looking here is based on the fact of biodynamics. Research and practice has shown that depending on where our moon is, it can influence the growth of plants, fruits, and vegetables. And I believe it is because of the weather, because of the interaction of the four elements that, you know, dictates how the earth is fertile enough, is the passive birth conditions to allow for 
um, growth of fruits and vegetables. Now, when I think about psychology, I always tell people that to be a plant on this planet, and of course, perhaps those of us who are grown up do not need to grow physically anymore. But psychology, psychology is asking you to grow your consciousness, to grow your awareness of what is possible. And what we see, what we are looking here, and what we see as a water preachess who has been very instrumental in sharing the practice of sky astrology and has been a um, tremendous confirmation and support for sky astrology she always says see to see i see you and it's so magical to accept that words speak volumes and have spells and have more than the superficial meaning. But if you see that the sky is perhaps a sea and it's a place that we can see with our eyes what is above and what perhaps is affecting us below and all you have to do is open your eyes and see and the why I mention that here is because this part of the sky where I'm using the mouse is the part they're called the sea now why is it called the sea there's several reasons the one I will tell you about now is the fact very simply that this was the time where there was a lot of rain. These are the times starting after the winter, right? And coming after January when the coldness changes and the sun shines longer, that there's more precipitation in the air, and then of course more moisture, and therefore more rain. And it's the rain we need in order to soften and make fertile the ground after the cold winter. And as it starts to move in Aquarius, which is actually known as an air sign or energy, but it is in the part of the sky they're called the sea and is associated by name with water, aqua. And it's sharing water. And water, what water does is it transports it flows and it transports information and it's known as a holder of information with water heavy memory 
and when it freezes, it like freezes memory. You know that because when you freeze your vegetables, it remembers the freshness of the vegetables. It freezes that moment in time as the fruit was fresh. And this is part of the natural laws that are omnipresent and that are second nature. And so here we have Aquarius, you know, reaching into the Capricorn with that's the arm and with the other arm sharing the, the water, you know, the trans from the January, beginning of February, winter. These are different times in astrology, mind you. This is astronomy. And sh sharing, preparing the earth, you know, raining down, making it more, reminding the soil what's it there to do, preparing it to take the seeds so that one can sow and start the harvest for the next spring. And then after Aquarius, which is quite, uh, I would say, separate from Pisces, because it's not always true. Here you see, that's where Neptune is now. Neptune is actually mathematically thought to be an Aquarius. One thing, if you can go away with, if I may ask you to go away with, again, is there are no borders in the sky. And so as this space is shared between Pisces, that one fish there, and Aquarius, it is, of course, interacting with both energies. But what's important to note is that, okay, since we're in the part of the sky called the sea, we have an air sign or zodiac energy, but it's water bearing, it's giving the water, the information, and it's going into a water energy of Pisces. So it is definitely a abundant placement and moment. And when I interpret what this means in real life, is I look at Neptune here and I associate Neptune with the constellation and zodiac that is originally connected with, and that is Pisces. So this planet is aligned and at home as it approaches Pisces. You know how you feel when you're about to be home, when you're almost there, when you've been to someone's house. And as much as you like visiting or staying with someone, you're happy to get back home. And that is the feeling that I associate when I see a planet that is outside 
or has been traveling in another constellation and it's in moving and it's about to go into its own original constellation. And mind you, what another thing I want to say is that it is all about the journey. Please remember the journey. Remember the memories if you're staying somewhere else or you're visiting or you've traveled. You just don't forget where you were. You might have even brought some things from your journey. And so you are carrying these memories, carrying these associations where you were. And because Neptune was in Aquarius for quite a long time, I would think that it is very rich in information, rich about things that are Aquarian, uh, technology, innovation, uh, ideas out of the ordinary ideas, and all those ideas that will help to spread knowledge because that is really the main purpose of Aquarius, the water bear. And so it's bringing with it back home to Neptune. And what's Neptune doing at home with Pisces? Well, what does Pisces represent? Pisces represents the last uh, house before the ascendant and the ascendant is in a way a gateway it is the moment of birth it is the beginning of life where and the beginning of the earth life and sadly the end of the water life that you have as a fetus and as an unborn child. So what special association that Pisces has is this incredibly deep, nurturing, spiritual in a way, because it is a non-physical connection it, it as it as you grow in the waters of your mother you know it's nothing from the outside it's all from the inside it's an, and it's a product of love of the act of love making and when we are grateful and honor these fish that also look like a fetus and are about in a way offspring that we you know kind of take the pool of the genes or the knowledge of one parent and the other parent and it becomes one thing as a little fish as an unborn child and so that is why you know Pisces is so special because it is taking from the deep information and bringing it into a new expression as a newborn child. And first we are 
observing that this newborn child is, in a way, marinating in the waters <laughs> of the mother of, you know, creation, and then it will move into the next.、Uh, Gateway, and what is so amazing is that traditionally that would represent spring, like you know, spring sprouting, things growing, and here we have Aries that was connected to that before the. Procession of the equinox, and now actually spring happens later. But I want to give some underlining pretext and opinion first about this, and it is: let us be conscious of this satus energy, and let's take a little look of the associations now. Satus has a few other names, and it is known as the sea dragon and the whale. Sometimes also the sperm whale. Now, in my research, what does the dragon mean, and what does this Satus mean? What associations has it been given? Because I am not. A fan, let's say, of Greek mythology. I admire it because I feel, believe there are bits of knowledge, but at the same time, to be honest, I think it's quite raw and aggressive. I think it's passe because I believe that we are. <laughs> Dawning. We are not in age of Aquarius, but we are dawning in a new paradigm that is really yearning and open and inviting and ready for harmony and love and bringing balance back in our life through a very positive and easy way. Of unconditional love, you may say, "I'm a dreamer," but I'm not the only one. So, when we look at Satus, we have to acknowledge first that this part of it is the tail of a fish, and this would connect it to all the other. Up into Aries, of course. The there's dolphin here. There's、um, the sculpture, supposedly. Also, Eridanos is the one of is the longest, I believe, constellation. It's like a snake river there, and it is <clears throat> there's dolphin somewhere, but I don't see it here. But these are all the water energies, and so Satis. Is not just a water because it also has, or depicted as having,、uh, paws like claws for Earth, 
and this monster face, but also fire, being able to spit fire. Now, some people say that it was, you know, these are myths, that the Eridanus is like the, the snake underneath, the fire snake underneath, and that it was pushing this down, the Satus. We don't know, do we? I like to say, actually, we don't know a darn thing, but let's just say where there's smoke, there's fire. And when Satus does do, it embodies just by being a dragon, firstly, fish, reptilian, able to live in water because it has a tail, the paws of earth, mammal-like, that means able to live on the earth, and then spitting fire, fire-like, able to harness the element of fire, all in one body here. And this is a clue, if anything, in my personal opinion, about why the dragon should not be ignored, but is why it's here. Because we need to understand that these elements, just like the sky, can coexist. And when they do coexist and interact and not wash each other out or blow each other out, that things can be created like the fifth element, like plasma, like vapor, because that's when the heat, fire, and water are coexisting. That's when they're respecting each other energy and not overpowering it and creating something, a third thing, water and fire and vapor or steam. But this, when they do it without the interference of a kettle or a pot, which is connected to earth, then that is what we call real alchemy. And this is what they meant when they said alchemists could take lead and turn it into gold. Because what they were talking about is the possibility to use your energy or energy of any kind, which, is which means fire, and put it to something solid, earth, something that you hold. And that you think you can't change, but to change it and make it fluid. So when the lead gets hot enough, when your passion and your energy gets high enough, and you, your energy is high, that you change your situation and you make it flow like water, then you are an alchemist of that situation. And once it's fluid, then you can mold it and create it into gold, that gold for you, that idea, 
what the pot of gold at the end, what you want, and that is for me the language of time. These analogies, because they live forever, and they are always possible, as they were thousands of years ago, and as they are today. So that's me talking in a very esoteric way. Back to the astronomy of things and the reality of things is that you will see that there's kind of this ecliptic, this line, this middle line where the planets travel, and this is the ecliptic path. It's mathematical, but you sometimes they're not always right on the line. But the fact is that Aries is further away than Satus is from this line of where the planets travel, and some parts of Pisces are now. And I think that means that the Satus would have more of an impact as an energy as Aries. And rightfully so, as Airy is just fire on its own, where Satus embodies three elements, and I think that is worthy of taking a second look at. And until two days ago, I thought it was, but after. Since two days ago, I know it's even more important, and it's because of this planet here. Eris. It's a dwarf planet. Now let me get something clear because I read in space.com and I want to share with you. They were saying, there's a lot of things, I can't tell you all the details, but the basics are when they denoted Pluto and said it wasn't a planet anymore because they said it was a dwarf planet. It's around the same time that they found Eris. Now Here's a little bit of me that thinks a little bit conspiracy because all the time I was one of those people waiting for Planet X. How could you get rid of the connotation of Planet X when you got rid of Planet 9? So supposedly Pluto, at the time that Eris came on the scene, they decided it wasn't a planet. And so then when they found Eris, it, it, it couldn't be number 10. It couldn't be planet X. Funnily, then, all of a sudden, Pluto is the, a planet. So, excuse my German. The thing is <laughs> that this writer from space.com, and I will note him in my description, he said there are dwarf galaxies, there are dwarf stars, and so they are still galaxies and they are still stars. So why is a dwarf planet still not a planet? It's a planet and it's planet X and it's in Satus. Hello. Can I get a hello? Who says that? There's a really famous Instagram YouTube guy who says it. <laughs> He's so funny. Lots of people um, listen to him. So, yes, this is Planet X. 
found in Satis. Now you'll find a few astrologers who say it's in Aries, but let's take this moment. Let's take this moment to ask yourself a couple of questions. I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to start really simple. I'm showing you this on my computer that has hardly any space left because I am so passionate about sharing this information, you know, for your eyes to see. Because quite frankly, when you do get an opportunity to be under a night sky, it's very rare. But when you do, you know it's magical. You know it's amazing. But can you recognize the constellations? And if you do, if you are lucky enough to be under a new moon or a crescent moon night where the moonlight is not so strong and you can see the stars of a constellation where the moon is actually in, as I did in Egypt, I want to ask you, would you still want to follow what astrologers say where the moon is? Or would you really still want to ignore this amazing phenomena of seeing the moon, the crescent moon among stars in the sky? I just want to ask a question. And that is what sky astrology is about. It's about what you can see with your eyes in the sky. And when you witness and experience this, the least it can do is make you curious about the energy exchange between our moon has a very consistent rhythm every month passing through all those constellations day in and day out making the tides regulating the periods changing moods all these things and you think it doesn't matter where the moon is I just want to ask, if you saw my little hands moving, you would be laughing. But it's true. I want to ask you to invite <laughs> the stars into your life. And just imagine that these are part of your reality. And they have been there since the day you were born. They have been shining every day. And the moon has its connections to them. It's proven in biodynamics. It's proven in the weather. And you are nature. And they are nature. That is the true meaning of a natal chart. And that is what brings me to the fact that now everyone says, 
in Western astrology. It's Earth Day, and the moon, the new moon is in Taurus. I don't see it in Taurus. Now, wait a sec. We don't see the moon at all when it's new. <laughs> That's why we need this technology to tell us. And this technology is showing us that there's the sun about to approach Uranus at the beginning of Aries, between Aries and Satus. And here's the moon. Really, not yet even at Aries. Between this star of Satus, which is a magnitude 4-3 star, and between the star of Pisces, which is also magnitude 4.3. So they're equal magnitude. They're not very strong, but they are aligned. And they are part of the energy that the moon is bringing to the table as it meets our sun, as the sun is really next to Uranus and at the beginning of Aries. And still dealing with some more energies of Satus, because Satus moves a little bit aligning with the third star, Hamal, that is 2.0 magnitude. Now, the lower the number, the stronger the star. So, that star is stronger than the star of Satus. So, that gives Aries a little bit more power and away energy over it, even if it's moving halfway through. But the moon, when it passes there and the sun, is going to be passing closer to Satus, to that Satus star. Okay, and this now is what it looks like when they're aligned. There's the sun, there's the moon, aligned at this point. This point doesn't even need a number, but because we have the mathematical calculation based on a circle, big on sacred geometry, it places it at four degrees of Aries. Now, I don't know if that makes sense. This is when the little interesting part comes through. Because everybody's talking about today's the four day. We got the four elements. We have April 22nd. We're at 2020. Actually, in New York, the new moon's going to be at 22 degrees. So when I look at astro.com, they say the new moon's at three degrees Taurus, and no other planet is at four degrees. Well, let me tell you what. Mathematically, the this Neptune that I talked about that is in the part of the sea here, it's at 22 degrees of Aquarius. Aquarius only has like 25 degrees um, mathematically at part of that circle ecliptic 360, yeah. Then we have... Um, there's another one, but there's those two, those two, I'll, I'll, I'll jot them down. But the main thing is the sun and the moon are at four degrees, okay? And that is, you know, really important to note. I'm looking for my phone so I can 
maybe see where my notes are. Yes, so let's put this into perspective where the heavenly bodies are, giving a shout out to the podcast. Yes, it is the node, the south node, that's at four degrees Sagittarius. The north node's at zero degrees Gemini. Venus is at 21 degrees Taurus. Uranus is at 7 degrees of Aries as far as looking at the mathematics of this 360 circle. Jupiter will be at 30 degrees of Sagittarius on my ascendant, (laughs) in case you're interested. Saturn is at 1 degree Capricorn. Mars, it's at 16 degrees Capricorn. Chiron, which is not a planet, is at 15 degrees of Pisces. Mercury is at 28 degrees of Pisces. Eris, planet X, is at 32 degrees of Pisces, but it is, they're not even recognizing Satan, so it's not part of the calculation because it's sharing space, you see. So, it is there when I show you. So that's about 32 degrees of Pisces and aligned with Satis. And Neptune, as I said before, is 22 degrees. And what's it? Pluto is still 28 degrees. And that's it, I think. They're all. I've covered them all. So I hope this has been an interesting expression of my thoughts and why I'm so passionate about sky astrology, astronomy, constellations, planet X, and this part of the sky. But last but not least, I want to say I want to give thanks for the journey that our heavenly bodies have made. Because What we have with the Sun, the Moon, Venus, Mercury, and Mars, the closest personal planets, is that they're about to finish this journey into into spring. Yeah, Mars is in Capricorn. It's coming forward. And it's the last one left behind. But Mercury is going, is in the part of the sky called the sea the sun and the moon are the sun is not coming back to the sea until next year and our sun our moon is did I say our sun is not coming through and our moon of course is doing it every month Eris has a 500 year cycle so it's going to be in status until most of our lives in but Venus is so blessed it's outside of the water it's manifesting itself on earth day this is how i will close because it is venus that is celebrating the earth and true it's so amazing i don't know like magical diabolical interesting <laughs> like that through this pandemic through we staying home how our earth has had a break from us <laughs> and the skies are amazing the the water is clear the frog the turtles are 
coming back to the shore, you know, and this is Venus in Taurus. This is not something that happened one day and one minute in time like a new moon in Taurus. No, this has been a journey. This has been a journey. Venus, you know, and us coming and seeing the difference it didn't happen overnight once we went home the ocean cleaned itself we've been like in confinement for like three days three months three no sorry three weeks something three or four weeks about the time that venus went into tars the time venus went home she went home and yeah i want to celebrate the importance of being conscious of that being conscious of venus's journey and sharing and how you you know you can honor and be conscious of the venus who is represents the balance we're talking about always represents love and is at home in Taurus, and not just love as an idea, but a love to be seen, to grow, and to manifest itself for all earthlings to enjoy and appreciate and to remember how important it is. And so when we look back here as our sun and moon slowly say goodbye to that part of the sea and move out of Satis, which embodies earth, fire, and water, that we will be mindful when we move forward, when we move forward and have a loop. I think this influence of Aries, of wanting to get started, like when is this going to be over this quarantine? Like, but have we learned all the lessons of the sea dragon? And the dragon, mind you, is a metaphor for also sperm. Like anything that, like a dragon, like people who go in a row, who follow, and how the sperm goes like all together in a trail like a trail and this trail has a beginning to an end like Satus does <laughs> you know Satus starts actually does she start at the end of Aquarius at the beginning at the beginning of water and ends at the beginning of fire. Yeah. And this is the connection here. When we have a water and fire connection that produces something that is sustainable and doesn't wash each other out. And that, my dear, is alchemy. That's true alchemy. Acknowledging the importance of manifesting this beautiful earth and honoring the possibility and the break that earth has had, Mother Earth has had from us 
and reconnection with Venus. And knowing, taking all the knowledge from the water, from the end of Aquarius, from the knowledge from the water that Aquarius gifted us at the at the point of juncture with Pisces, which is holding the waters of creation. You can't make it up. And moving us through this Satis dragon, meeting with the dragon that has a reservation of fire, but is ushering in like a fish, you know, swimming and crawling on the shore to deliver life, a evolved energy, a good feeling. And some people have like, say, Satis is negative and that it's a snake going down. But it's just like they said, you know, the Kundalini and the serpent and all these things. How the context is is that. I don't know. I'm not saying it's good or bad. But you know what I think it is about? It's about taming that serpent in us. It's about ta taming. It's everything is good in moderation. And controlling that what sometimes feels uncontrollable. Like, where did that come from, we say? Let's think about where that might have come from. And let's turn it into something positive. As Venus makes an example for us, leading the way, the true dragoness and the beauty of Taurus on Earth Day. If you've reached this far, and <laughs> you've got here, contact me for a absolutely free sky chart because I appreciate those of you who are curious and who are passionate about the sky above us and, yeah, sharing the beauty of being in tune with the heavenly bodies where they actually are in relation to yourself in relation to our earth and inviting them to be part of your daily rhythm like we are you know naturally a part of theirs take care it's been a pleasure it's chapeau claudette known as cloud because I love clouds and looking up.